Welcome to Here's a Solution, the podcast where talking about work doesn't have to feel like it. Presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions with your host, Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Now, are you ready to get real about the everyday workplace? Hey, Chels, how's it going? Good, how are you? Great. So I'm going to let you take the lead because this was the topic you wrote on the big whiteboard in the office. Yeah, so the topic that I wrote was supporting employees during a leave of absence. And I think I actually wrote it with the idea in my head of, like, the employer is taking a leave of absence. So, like, when you... Not that this was a leave of absence, but when you went on vacation. Oh, okay. Like, you supporting me while you were gone. Right. So, can you give me a list of things I should have done? <laughs> no. But the example I was going to give also is kind of the same thing. So, what I think of as the example... So, a couple years ago, my mom is a manager within a department within an institution. And a couple years ago, she had to go off on leave for about six weeks because it was coming to the end of my grandmother's life, like, after an extended illness. So, she had... Probably about like two weeks from being like, I'm going to go on leave of absence to when the leave of absence started. So her going on the leave of absence was because we were going through something extremely stressful in her personal life. And so taking work off of her plate of duties. However, leading up to the leave of absence was a stressful two weeks because she's trying to prepare her coworkers for her to be gone, delegating the, her tasks that were normally her tasks have to go to other people, all of that kind of stuff. She went off on the leave of absence. My grandma passed away. A couple weeks after, she went back to work. And when she came back to work, there had been some medium-sized fires that okay. had happened in her wake. So then immediately coming back to work, it was much more stressful than usual. Okay, yeah. So while the leave of absence was necessary, and it was good that she had those six weeks off, the bookends of the leave of absence were both stressful. Yeah, and I can imagine, and maybe, you know, and sometimes maybe you can't even really think about this until after you've gone through it. I'm imagining that maybe her team, again, knowing she's off dealing with this. Yeah, we're less inclined to let her know about things going on, for sure. Yeah, and while that's awesome, because that's great to respect those boundaries and that time it's a very fine line between could it have been a little fire before it burned into a medium fire yeah and I don't think it's a process that you could ever eliminate all the stress like no leaving your job for six weeks there's there's going to be some hiccups there's there's going to be some stress I don't think you can eliminate all of that but I kind of just want to have a discussion about how could you make this process a bit easier. So why I wrote like employer, like she's not the employer, but there was coworkers who go to her directly. She's like their direct supervisor. Yeah, which totally makes sense. And that makes sense when you said employer in that context. And in and, and our context, yes, when I pieced out to Europe for a couple of weeks. Which is not six weeks, like No, but still, I mean and thankfully it was at a time when things were quietish here. Yeah, so when I saw the note, and I, again, before you and I had a chance to, to, to dive into it, you know, I kind of looked up and was digging into my own sort of research around leaves of absence. And a lot of things that came up were things around the word sabbatical. So, and, and it was interesting because to me, a sabbatical was always something that was more planned. Mm-hmm. 
like, you know, whether you're in academia or not, to even just take an, a, a sabbatical from work could be for a number of reasons. You know, you could want to go back to school. The way it was sort of discussed, a sabbatical is that extended leave from your job, but that it guarantees your position when you return. Again, it could be both a paid or unpaid time off work. The way that a lot of times it was discussed when I was looking in more like HR-related realms, it was that it is often only offered if you've been at your work, your job or your employer or company for several years. You know, it's an interesting piece you brought up. Like, your mom had time to prepare, but, you know, she had, like, two weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> to prepare for, like, at that point, did she know how much time she might take off? Um, I think the the doctor recommended it was, like, six weeks. Yeah. So, preparing for up to two weeks, sorry, taking two weeks to prepare for up to two months off, mm-hmm. basically. The research that I kind of did and just kind of where my brain went was, yeah, like, how do you prepare for all the scenarios that could come up? And the answer is you probably can't. (laughs) Yeah. There's the podcast. (laughs) Well, and I think this is, this is kind of, it goes back to the, the podcast about kindness where at what point is it the institution that you work for? Like my mom could try to prepare her coworkers as much as she could for her leave of absence. But at what point is it that the institute that you work in, you can only exist and you can only prepare and plan for so much within their framework. Yeah. Right? And so when there's other areas of conflict within the institution, like that's out of her control. Yeah, and knowing that especially in those really large organizations, there are so many departments interdependent upon one another Mm -hmm. and I'm going to imagine when you get into a a position like your mom is where she's been there for very for a very long time some of that knowledge only exists in her head oh 100% yeah so it's not a written down procedure or policy or I mean even short stints that I've done in organizations you kind of just know okay you know it's not that's not written down but you just know if you need to get this done you call this person mm-hmm. or mm, that person's giving you a bit of a the runaround. Okay. Just go to that person. Like knowing the, the nuances of how an office or an organization works. Yeah. I mean like that's something that you can't always think of in the moment, especially if it's during a stressful time to be like, Oh, I have to make sure they know that this has to happen. And again, it only exists in my head, but I'll try to remember to give you this information. Yeah. And then when she came back, the medium fires that had happened, the major issue would have been something that she probably would have caught. Yeah, and that's hard, and it's probably hard to think, had you just told me I would have been able to deal with this, but then also the maybe in those last moments, what what would she have been walking away from to handle this work issue? Mm-hmm. So it's it's I think it's very much like chicken and the egg, like what what should have come first? Yeah. The talk or the the time. I mean, in a perfect world planning makes perfect right you can you can plan it all out they could have all those scenarios but in reality I think making I, I think what's really great is having a very strong maybe like like you are to me like that right hand person mm-hmm. so that if I if I'm not there I trust you to make certain level of decisions mm-hmm. and then again knowing that I'm only gone for maybe a short period of time knowing that nothing that needed to be decided needed to be decided 
in less than two weeks. Yeah. Well, and I think it also is having a really strong understanding of the different roles within the office or institution or whatever and how those roles are defined. Yeah. You know, and so knowing that covers this, this, and this, and this, and this, or whatever, you know, that when things are coming in, who are these going to make the most sense to flow to? Mm -hmm. You know, if this person is in this department, then this makes the most sense for this problem to go to them because of whatever, you know, instead of just, this would all be work. Like, who are we going to delegate this to now that it's coming in? Like, there kind of needs to be a plan in place ahead of time. Yeah, and it's... It's sometimes enlightening how much one person does mm-hmm. until that person is removed. I remember I had a, in a very, very previous role, a staff person say that to me. And they legit said, I didn't know what you did until I had to do it. And now I don't know how you did it all. Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm glad you thought I sat around and twiddled my thumb. <laughs> and, but at the same time, though, it's not completely that person's fault that they didn't know what you did. No. And, and I mean, we could probably have a second podcast all about my potential lack of delegation skills <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and inability sometimes to want to add more to certain people's plates. But at the same time, getting a taste of what other people do, I think it's a great chance to maybe give some opportunity to your team and sort of say, here's your chance. You could see what it's like in this type of role and know if that's part of their growth plan. And if they want to like maybe one day look at whether it's moving up to, you know, same level as you, or maybe that's your succession planning kind of thing, but also to see like where those gaps are. Mm -hmm. But then what do you do with those gaps? Like if the gaps only existed in your mom's department, then she could, you know, upon her return or whatever, fix that. Mm -hmm. But what happens when the gaps high are like when they're trickling down? Yeah. When the, when the absence highlights larger gaps. Mm -hmm. So yeah, exactly. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And that's where we're going back to again, like institutional change, like what Elaine Alec and cultivating safe spaces, what this is all going back to is that individual change an individual also meaning like when you're institution with multiple different departments, individual departments, mm-hmm. that type of change only goes so far. Yeah. At a certain point, it all comes back to we really need to be taking a look at how these institutions are fundamentally set up. But maybe coming back to sort of your first question and as an employer, you know, whether it, that's you at the head of a department or a division or you know, overall, how can you help set your team up when they are looking to take, you know, extended time off, even if that is like a vacation? Because sometimes, you know, I was talking to a friend who shared that they were on a business trip with their VP. And this person's been involved in this organization for more than 10 years. And they shared with my friend that they have not taken a vacation in 10 years. That's insane and like what is their reasoning behind that that there's no one else to do the job that they do okay which I'm like okay maybe some self-reflection on how important you think you are but also and I was even thinking about it I'm like okay take the 
take the COVID years out of there, which could be up to three years, right? Where maybe you didn't feel safe or you weren't able to actually yeah, leave the country. For sure. That's still seven years yeah. bookending that where you did not take a vacation. Yeah. And I just, it makes me, and this is like a very privileged thing to say because like I know vacations and things like that are, are things that I discuss with like with you like with a boss role you know like I can't imagine a workplace and again this is like very privileged for me to say like a workplace where they wouldn't support you take like, do they get vacation days does this person get vacation days oh, yeah like they're they're the top of the and they're just rolling them over every year they're rolling them over or they're losing them, them or they're getting paid out I'm not entirely sure all the 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 bits of that but I, I think, I mean, and again, that might be a very personal choice. Maybe they ju- just choose that vacation is not. They'd rather have the cash. They'd rather have money or, yeah. you know, whatever that that looks like. But for you to not think that you could leave somebody else yeah. in charge or pass on your duties to someone else. So, again, probably a larger conversation or, or, or piece there. But it shows that they obviously think that their team is shaky. Yeah. So then how do you actually fix that? So I think if you're an employer or you're somebody who leads a team and you're looking to take time off, you know, I often think about how is your work documented now? You know, other than a couple of vacations here and there over my career that have been, you know, at least two-ish weeks at a time. Other than that, the only big chunks of time I took away from work were my two mat leaps. Mm-hmm. And leading up to either of those, uh, and they were with different institutions, it was all about, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, what have I written down? What processes have I written down? And what exists in my head? What are relationships and things that are integral to my job that I know, but that if no one could get a hold of me, Mm -hmm. no one would know about? And so it's about how do you start... And I mean, it could be something that we all do right now, even before you're thinking about any kinds of time off. How could you document what you do? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's almost like creating a manual on you and what you do. And it helps if your job is repetitive. Mm -hmm. A lot of unfortunately think what we do is not not. repetitive, (laughs) but, but how could you capture some of those key parts of a role? And even just say, you know, and actually it's one thing that I I helped an organization with where they were looking at, I kind of stepped in at one point and helped them fill a role while there was an absence. And what I did after speaking with members of a board was look at what are the highlights that this role is responsible for on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, And then I looked at both quarterly and annually. So monthly, I mean, weekly was pretty easy because it was mostly just answering emails, keeping the board essentially in the loop of what was going on. Monthly were things like helping prepare different programs to be run if there was printing needs and things like that. It was mostly helping support a facilitator that was doing this work. And then when I looked at sort of the quarterly things, they were very driven behind a lot of the program's needs or the, the not-for-profit's needs. And then annually, it was things like making sure the audit was set up, the annual report, AGM, and things like that. But I broke it down and kind of had like January highlights, February highlights, all the way. And then, so I kind of helped 
while I was filling the gaps, I sort of said, I'm going to do this so that when you do eventually hire to fill this role, this kind of gives them a snapshot of what's to come. And if they're sitting there going, huh, well, August is a pretty quiet month. But then, hey, take a look at what September, October are, because they're very busy months. Mm -hmm. So what could you be doing now to help prepare? But if you kind of don't know what's coming down the pipeline, it's really hard to anticipate those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did my last placement for an institution in the city that would have their weekly staff meeting, and they would kind of do that. They would talk about, so first off, it would be like the institution in general, what's happening right now, what's coming up in the near future, and what's just passed. So kind of like that was like the time to do like a little bit of a debrief. Yeah. So that was the institution in general. And then they would go through each department, which most departments was a person. And that person would do the exact same thing, what they're working on right now, what's coming up, and what they've just finished. And so that was a really good time at A, kind of just like brought everyone up to date about what each department was doing, showing people what's coming down the pipe, all that. And it was a really good time to get that collaboration process done Mm -hmm. so if one person had a fundraiser coming up like that's in the coming up section this was the time that they could go okay hey let's discuss this is what you'll be doing for this planning this is what you'll be doing and it was kind of cutting out where that can often get lost in like emails and stuff like that and where the person that's in charge of the fundraiser would have to go out and like take time to talk to each person separately like let's all just do it here And then they would talk about what had just been completed. And again, kind of as like a wrap up, debrief, all of that on different projects, because there's a lot of like independent work that was also layered in with people coming in to help on certain things, like very interconnected, but things that weren't interconnected. And so, yeah, so that was their way of handling it was they just looked at a week, that week coming up within like the month, I guess they would have said, and then just just finished. And it was a really good way, like being there for the placement, I really saw how it, it really kind of kept everyone clear on what everyone was doing, where they they could have been a little siloed. Especially with just one person. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I like the idea of talking about what's coming up because that's a really great opportunity to say, this is coming up and I need four volunteers to help me do ABC. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's, maybe you have new team members and they're not aware of activities coming up. It reminds me of a a job I had before where staff meetings were literally everyone just talking about, only about what they did or were doing. And instead of it talking about it in a way that opened it up to that collaboration or at least said like, hey, this is something that I'm doing, but it might actually impact or an impact in a good way and it could involve like your community within my project where that's very open and like let's talk about it and see where we can learn more about each other it was very much like this is what I did I did my job job's done yeah and it was like and I remember coming out of one of my first meetings with this group and I kind of said to a colleague I'm like is that a typical meeting where we all just talk about how we did the job we're getting paid to do. <laughs> and there was kind of an eye roll and I, yep. And I said, okay, we should talk about doing something else. Yeah, well, and what I liked about it too is, and this is something that I'm still learning with project-based work. So in that coming up section of the meeting, so the fundraiser, for example, could be planning a gala that's six months away. And each meeting, it's still going to be in the coming up section. Yeah. You know, until like, the week before but it was kind of the way of because I find what's hard with projects is like you bring up a project and because it's the thing that you're talking about right now you kind of feel like 
I'm shifting my focus to this. Mm-hmm. You know, so like this is this is the most important thing. And it was kind of like a built-in way to help people who might not be great at multi, not multitasking, but being able to compartmentalize the different projects going on. Yeah. You know, so this was like kind of a weekly update for something that's still down the road, but needs to be worked on. So here's like your little weekly update for it. As it gets sooner, we kind of deal with, it was a good way to like dole out the tasks, like the assisting tasks that people might need to help with while still, it gave them a time so that they didn't have to really work it into their schedule or at least it was like a time to organize and coordinate with everyone when it was going to be worked into their schedule, if that makes sense. Yeah, to get it on people's radar. Yeah. Be, and, and, and to keep bringing it up at meetings so that, say, somebody missed a meeting, right? It's going to come up at my next one, too. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I know we talked a lot about, about planning, and I like the idea of... And maybe that planning involves more sharing and being more open. Yeah. Like we talked about with a lot of the, um, like, your staff or your... Again, even if it's clients, even if it's reaching out and letting them know, I'm not going to be available. This is who's here in my absence. If you're in a situation where you're like, and you cannot get a hold of me, it could be, you know, what do you, what, what do you like, put it onto your clients or it could be your customers or whomever. Like, what do you absolutely think you need from me within mm-hmm. these next two weeks mm-hmm. or whatever you're planning, you know, kind of lead up stages that you will be okay coasting for potentially two months, six months, whatever, like letting you know, you're going to have to get to know this other person and figure it out in mm-hmm. my absence. But yeah, I think as much as you could plan, chart. We or- plan, God laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> okay, bumper sticker. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I just love that saying. Yeah, we have more of like, we plan our kids snippet. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you think you want to go for a hike, mom and dad? Well, we're going to be grumpy. Well, and I think it all just comes back to you too, like, at the end of the day, like, just flexibility and just the ability to, and I get like, there are some jobs that are like fundamental to society. Yeah. You know, like they are doing, all jobs are important, don't get me wrong, but you know. There were some of us that could work from home during the pandemic. There were others that were vascular surgeons. Yeah, no, exactly. That could not. <laughs> yeah. So for example, like with me, with like my leave of absence, like it was literally, I called Emily at like seven in the morning, told her what was going on. And it was like, I don't know when I'm going to be coming back to work. Like I couldn't even, no. there was no concept of that. And then it, I was off for like three months. And, like, I hope that no one ever has to be in that kind of situation where you don't even get, like, a planned leave of absence. But in that situation, like, it was kind of just, like, a day by day. And we are, like, luckily, like, there's there's two of us. And, again, like, we are not heart surgeons, which is good. But we're still doing important work. Like, it's our livelihood. Yeah. You know? And, and it's it's kind of just, well, we're taking it day by day. That's how we're taking it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, thankfully, we... We, yeah, I will say we choose to work with very awesome people. Mm-hmm. And I would say we do not take contracts. I would say with anybody who, if I came to them and said, look, this is going to be delayed or, you know, we're actually not able to now execute on everything we promised because we're a little short staffed and like, here's why, you know, we, we just don't engage in, with that kind of audience because, and I think people from everywhere that we engaged with, we're obviously extremely sympathetic, very understanding of any delays or anything. And, and I think I haven't, I have noticed some additional patients post COVID mm-hmm. with, you know, 
I've noticed that, that people aren't expecting, like, oh, I emailed you two hours ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I also feel way less pressure. Like, early on in my career, my inbox would be emptied every day. And now I'm like, yeah, okay, so, I like, this morning I was responding to emails that I got on Thursday. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting for me because I never saw myself working in business. Right. Like I always saw myself in some sort of institution and like it always changed, but it was like, like within the education institution or like for a while there, I wanted to be like a journalist. So like that's within like, I don't know. Like I never saw myself in like a private business. And so I, I've never had it in me that very like specific type of business person, you know, of like the hustle, the drive, like, you know, yeah. and I just can't put myself in that position where I would want to work in that. Like I just saw today, it was like a, I follow this Reddit subreddit called, um, what's it called? It's like LinkedIn bro, something like that, but it's about like the LinkedIn people that are just crazy. <laughs> and someone had this like LinkedIn post that was like, if you work for four hours every weekend by the year, like that'll be 208 additional hours that you worked and that'll put, that'll make you stand out amongst everyone else who just does the nine to five Monday to Friday. And all I could think of was, no, they're not going to recognize that. Like you're going to give up all that time of your life and realistically, like, no one's actually going to give you a pat on the back for that. They're not going to recognize you for that. You're just doing more work. Yeah. I mean, I would say like the, the, the whole, if you do this for the rest of your life. Yeah. No, obviously it makes sense. Like if like within a project, like there's like, yeah. Or maybe you really want to get a promotion and you know, if you ace this next project or case or whatever it is you're working on, you might stand out. Yeah. No, the, the framework of this post was like, you work a Monday to Friday, nine to five, take extra time off your weekends to work. And it's like, do you know how hard the labor movement fought (laughs) to get us our weekends? Yeah. There's a few countries already that have adopted that four day work week. Yeah. Like people are trying to downsize it. Yeah. No. And it's like, so you might break your back to do all this extra work and realistically the organization you work for is just going to take advantage of that yeah I mean I would say there's probably quite a few that you've built that as a again it's not like you're doing it to stand out for one or two reasons hoping it gets you ahead or you know something but if you've just created that pattern the people yeah. come to expect not respect yeah but expect that you are working yeah and, and their response would be, we never told you to do that. Totally. I mean, there's that legislation, the not engaging after five. Yes, your employer can still email you, but you are not obligated to respond. Yeah. But if you do respond... That's on you. That's on you. Yep. 100%. It was interesting, and again, wouldn't apply to the situation we brought up with, with, with your mom... But it was interesting when I was looking up leaves of absence. And again, I think they were more into this context of a sabbatical, which is more of like a very planned time off. Mm-hmm. Usually you're doing something, you know, a bit more positive than having to take time to, you know. Like a medical reason or family yeah, reason. Yeah. yeah. And so it was interesting that one of them was plan to stay in touch. <laughs> like some of the posts, it was like send update emails or postcards to your boss here and there. And if you're local, make room in your calendar for coffee with colleagues and contacts. <laughs> I love your right now. <laughs> it's just kind of, it's defeating the purpose. Yeah. And and so I thought about it. And, and I actually, uh, so I thought about it in two ways. I thought about it 
during both my mat leaves. And then I also thought about it when I've had, when I've had colleagues that have done a sabbatical and they've all been in the academic kind of world. And, and I did meet a couple here for coffee. And again, we didn't really talk work, but it, it was to maintain a connection. But again, we had more of a friendship mm-hmm. than a call, like a workplace relationship. And when I was on my first mat leave, I, you know, I did the whole bring the baby into the office and everybody could coo at her and it was cute. And, and I'd had a, a really good relationship with my director leading up to that. And we had actually worked together in a different organization before we both, <laughs> it's a very, it's a funny story. We both left that organization within like a month, but didn't tell each other. Mm until like announcements came out and then we both announced we were going to this other organization but we didn't know yeah great minds yeah that's like when we both discovered that our drunk mcdonald's order is filet fish <laughs> <laughs> that's the exact same thing absolutely oh that was a precious friday night moment together that was incredible i went home and told my best friend and she was like you found your place <laughs> like you're set exactly and again this director you know with the way he he was such a wonderful man and he was kind of always a dad first mm-hmm. and loved talking about, you know, cause I had a daughter and he had a daughter first and talking about that. And, you know, so he did maintain, but it was him maintaining the relationship with me mm-hmm. versus me reaching out, which again, I know it's a fine line when someone is on a sabbatical or on a mat leave about not even necessarily engaging them with work, but maybe just checking in, you know, and I had a very different experience with, with my second mat leave because there, like, there just wasn't that relationship and, and there wasn't that, that connection. But I will say that the return to work was a little bit easier having not had, like, radio silent. And again, and that was, in a, like, an experience where I had very much planned for almost nine months to be off. And so, you know, we had that, we had that building, we had that relationship. I had a lot of time to plan that. And so thinking about, again, not, maybe not necessarily, you know, like your mom's experience, but if you are planning on taking time off, again, I don't think it's the person's responsibility who's taking that time off for whatever reason to try to maintain that relationship. Mm-hmm. But if you as an employer are wanting to let them know that for whatever reason they're off, because maybe it is stress, maybe it is medical, but even just that check-in to be like, we are thinking about you we're here however like we can help support I I just feel like it definitely from my experience and I've seen it with others it makes that transition I think even possible well and I think like we we haven't even gotten into the whole area of industries that are client-based so like I work in a hair salon and the hair salon I work in has gone through two owners and obviously like you can never tell a person that they can't go off on mat leave like that's illegal but when I first started working at the salon I remember the first person who got pregnant while I was working there it was kind of put on them that hairdressers take six weeks maternity leave month maternity leave three weeks as one woman did because it's client-based like if you're gone for a year your your clients are probably going to go somewhere at least to another hairdresser within the salon so this is what I want to get at Mm. is there was kind of this built-in idea of you don't want to take a long time off because you don't want 
your clients going to other hairdressers in the salon because they're your clients. And now with our new owner, who is a mom um, and has gone off on mat leave two times at the salon, she's done a lot of work to just get rid of that culture and that your clients will go to you because they want to go to you for a number of reasons. And sometimes it doesn't even have to do about the hair. People ebb and flow in a client-based industry, whether you take time off or not. Yeah, exactly. And so she's done a lot of like really great work. So now there's two women off on leave right now. I think one is taking a year and one is taking, it's like 10 months. And yeah, like we're making it work, you know, like other, it's working out really well because we have some younger stylists who are new in the industry. So they are taking on these two women's, these two other hairdressers' clients. So they're gaining experience. Mm -hmm. These people are still getting into the same salon. And then when the two people come back, some of those people will choose to stay with the the hairdresser that they've been with for this past year now. And that's okay. And then when that person maybe doesn't have a time slot open that works for them, now they'll have two options. Yeah. And now that also clears up room in the other person's that original stylist's chair for new because it always seems that clients that move to a different hairdresser it almost always works out that it's like mutual and not even for a bad reason right yeah but just this this client is super chatty and I'm not I can just tell like our personalities now that she started going to that chattier person I can tell she's gonna move you know and then yeah it makes room for new clients and like it's it's all just okay and it it took down like those barriers of like competitiveness almost between the hairdressers and like that they were out for themselves well yeah because instead of having it set up exactly like it sounds where we're going to ensure your clients stay here Mm -hmm. and still have a great experience at this place And then, again, it's their prerogative whether they move back, but at least they're still within the salon where they started. You know, think about it. The the money and the experience is still there. And there's, I know I appreciate when I have more than one option at, you know, various self-care places Mm -hmm. because... I sometimes don't always remember to make appointments when I should. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, I like knowing that, oh, I can go look on the app and be like, I really want to get my legs waxed. Okay, Taylor's not available. Okay, well, I know Haley might be available Mm -hmm. or Kate might be available. And because I've been able to have experiences with all of them, yeah, I really love Taylor. I, we've gotten to know each other. We have great chats. I know she does a really good job, but I also know I really appreciate the other ones too. Yeah, exactly. You know? And it's great that I built this up with them because Taylor's moving to Toronto. <laughs> lucky Toronto people. I yeah. let you all know where she's working and highly recommend her. But I now know that I'm not looking at the situation going, well, now what am I going to do? Like, I don't even want to go there. I don't know anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Because that, like from a business perspective, your relationship was with just the employee and not or it could have been just with the employee and not with the entire business itself yeah you know the other piece that came up when I was looking into like this topic was around keeping your skills sharp (laughs) I remember thinking of this with the the hair with hairdressers I remember like the first time a person went on leave I was like do you like what if they like forget how to do it (laughs) And the other hairdressers were like, that's not how it works. Don't go into a trade. I was like, okay. <laughs> and and it was interesting because I know laws that restrict certain things and money made and things like that. But during leaves, it could be a really great opportunity to volunteer. Mm-hmm. 
right? To try something out that maybe you'd been thinking about. I mean, maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's not even keeping your skills sharp, but maybe it's trying something new, right? Yeah. So to take advantage of any extended period of time off, I mean, I know even just from my short vacation, I really sharpened my sangria skills. <laughs> I was going to say, I really discovered that I love being on the Mediterranean. Yes. That's something I know about myself now. Loading in the Mediterranean is a new skill. Right. I really love to like just work on, hone. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. And and just thinking about passing on those opportunities to others. Like I really love that example you just gave about the salon around how it's giving new stylists the opportunity, you know, and it's not like someone young that has maybe never really gone to a salon before to get their hair done, but they could be working on, you know, someone like me, Mm -hmm. a veteran who's been getting her hair dyed for like, dyed and cut for close to 30 years now, you know, where maybe I don't know what I want to get done with my hair, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're going to show me something cool and as long as you don't cut me bangs. (laughs) As long as you go in there knowing you don't want bangs. Yeah, just... Please, even if I go in and say I want bangs, what do you think about bangs? Just steer me away. That's such an interesting part of hairdressing. Sorry to go off on a tangent. This is a real skill is where it's very common. Like people, I'm not like this, so I, I can't put myself in the footsteps, but people have very strong connections to their hair and it is very much a part of people's identity mm-hmm. and so it's a fairly common event you'll have someone come in and they have 15 inch hair they want to cut 10, 10 inches off and they think they feel really sure about that okay. and I've seen it where the hairdresser's is like all right and they cut it and the person's like I've made a horrible, I've mistake. Made a horrible mistake oh my god staple it back on I don't right? know how to do. like there was one time a woman came in and again so she was blonde she'd been blonde her whole life being blonde was a part of her identity. She didn't realize that. And she came in and she wanted to be brunette. And so the hairdresser was like, well, how about we just start with some low lights? Like we grab, we ease into it. Next, we'll just get darker and darker. Nope. And, and they're the client, right? And they're paying. So it's what they want in the end. And so going from super blonde to super dark is actually, you have to fill it with red. It's a whole process. Oh, I've done it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you've gone backwards as most people do, as most blondes do. Uh Um, Uh And so she does all this work, all that. And she the finished product and the woman just starts crying and she was like it looks great it doesn't it's not that it looks bad I just I don't look like me like I I want to be blonde this is 2006 all over (laughs) yeah no blondes I'm speaking as a blonde that has done this like when you want to go dark maybe like just book a therapy session I don't know or there are apps now yeah what you can look like yeah yeah but it's such a interesting skill that hairdressers have to have of like wanting to make the client happy but then also like this weird psychology of like knowing yeah that you just want to change yeah you want to change and 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 I can fully understand not wanting to go gradually into that change Mm -hmm. because again I don't know what drove the woman to the the salon that day to want to go from blonde to brunette but I know I had reached a stage in my own very young career where constantly being questioned about my intelligence where at that point I literally wanted to put my master's degree on a necklace around (laughs) me and wear it around and be like yes I know how to read and write like (laughs) and I I was I was so fed up and I was working in a retail environment and people were shocked 
you know, my ability to string together a sentence. And so I remember booking in with a stylist and letting them know ahead of time, like I am very blonde and I would like to not be blonde when I leave. And I remember, I remember going to a friend's house right after we were going for dinner. And so I kind of dressed up and I walked into her condo and she looked at me and she was like, is that a new coat? <laughs> and I was like, I'm a brunette. <laughs> try again. Look up, look up just a little higher. She was, she was on the shorter side. She was five feet. So maybe she just couldn't see <laughs> But it was, uh, it was, and I remember the shock and awe on her face. And then I remember like literally for the next month waking up, stumbling into my bathroom. Cause like I, you know, this was my twenties and I like to sleep in. And so if I had to wake up early to get to work or whatever, and like literally shocking myself every time mm-hmm. I went into the washroom of being like, that's not me. And then almost immediately, it was within 60 days yep. that I went back and classic. Went, All right, let's, mm-hmm. let's hit rewind. on. Sounds this. about right. <laughs> yes. The funny part within those 60 days is that I had, I was living out West and I had come home for, and home being Thunder Bay, I had come home for one of my best friend's weddings. And I was a bridesmaid. I was one of nine bridesmaids. Oh, wow. I was the only single bridesmaid. Ooh, it's like a movie. <laughs> I felt like I had a giant target on my back. <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually at that wedding where I met my now husband. Wow. Yes, he was there with a friend as well, and he was very respectful of, you know, having a, a escort that night and not wanting to leave her alone. Mm. Very interesting fun fact is that she reconnected with someone, that his date had reconnected with someone she knew in high school, and they ended up getting married. From that wedding? After that wedding, and then Evan and I got married. Wow. Yeah. I know, the world works in very weird ways, and... So he was actually living and working in Toronto when he was getting transferred to Vancouver. And I was living out West at the same time, not in Vancouver. And we, once he made the move, he just, we decided we would get together. Like he would come over and visit me in Victoria and I would show him around and we would, we would have like a, an extended date. And it was after that wedding, went back to Victoria, had a little mini meltdown, dyed my hair brown. He came out West, took the ferry over. Thought he was getting off the ferry to a blonde. Nope. I was a brunette. Also during that time frame, he shaved his head. So we both literally were standing there on like the dock of where the ferry comes in and looking at each other like, I'm not sure this is what I signed up. <laughs> Both of you at the exact same yeah. time. Wow. Well, fast forward 17 years, we're not yeah, together. Yeah, what a meet cute. Right? Anyways, this, this podcast has taken a... I think I think we've now I think this is actually the first time in any of our podcasts that we have just like talked like kind of went off like on a tangent and I actually feel like I'm saying it now I'm putting it out there podcasters like I think this is gonna be like you know how like not that our our podcast hasn't been good or anything that's been amazing but you know how sometimes tv shows like it takes a while to find itself right and not even that we found ourselves I think it took us like a while to get like not comfortable but like I think we were very topic focused yes exactly and And we're talking and I think that's what people like about podcasts yeah oh I do you know yeah yeah well I think I thought of the podcast I was definitely taking like my university approach to it where I'm like okay what is the thesis statement of this (laughs) podcast okay what are the four things that we're gonna talk about we're gonna relate back but I think like it's in the like tangents and the banter and all that where you get like the really good advice yeah. You know? So I would say the main takeaway from today is if you are a blonde and you're looking to go brunette, 
try an app first. Yeah, try an app. Like maybe an actual app. Like maybe have a snack. Yeah. Have you just had a big career change? A big relationship change? Any of those things? Oh, man. Yep, 2006. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I know we've been wrapping things up by talking about things that we have read. And I know in one of the last episodes, it was more things we either had listened to or watched. Mm -hmm. So anything cool you listened to or watched? I have just listened to a song called Free by Florence Welch and the Machines. Oh. We'll edit in some of the sound of it. So I've always had, ever since I was a kid, I have this like weird thing where um, I always want to find a piece of media, like a movie or a song or a book that encapsulates like exactly how I'm feeling. And I never can because, and I I don't want it to be like, well, this is their situation. This is my situation. I have to change it. I want to hear something that it's like, I could have written this. This is how I feel. And that's a very rare thing to find because Mm -hmm. I'm not writing any of it, you know? Yeah. This song... I'm like, Florence, you're in my brain. Like, it's just, it's just like an anthem. So it's, it's about um, her being like anxious and depressed and all that. Like, just like the classic, <laughs> just the classic, the classic thing that all the girlies are going through. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I was listening to it. I was on my bike, like my like cycling bike in my bedroom because I'm trying to like work out and I listened to it and I was just like biking and pedaling and it was just like, this is a sense of cliche, like the sound, the lyrics of the words are like in this moment, like I'm free. And that's literally how I felt listening to it. And now I'm going to listen to it so often. I'm going to get sick of it. <laughs> so I'm trying to like, okay, you can listen to it like a couple times in the day. But yeah, so that's Free by Florence Welch and the Machines. I saw this TikTok, I guess, that was like a girl. So sorry that people are going to have to hear this, but they're like, yeah, like in like the production meeting of Dog Days Are Over, they're like, okay, Florence, so it's going to go like dog days are over and Florence was like okay but what if we did it like the dog days are over and it's like yeah that's the Florence touch (laughs) I think we 100% need more of you singing yeah because if I sing we will have negative listeners (laughs) well yeah sorry if you all had to hear that that was my Florence Welch impression uh no it was incredible thanks to keep it on the the listening theme Like, I think it was in July, and I listened to a lot of CBC in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I had to do, like, the CBC listen so that I can listen in the morning to uh, Sirojo Coelho. In the afternoon, I'll listen to Rich Turfry. I love the mix of talk and music. I can't do just talk, and I can't do just music when it comes to radio. And they were talking about how, and I I think this was during one of the morning shows, I think it was Sirojo was talking about how she hasn't found her or she hasn't really felt like a song had been like the song of the summer. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I've never felt compelled. And I think she only really does Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it now. And I haven't done the bird or the thing for a very long time, Mm -hmm. but I felt like she had actually missed a Canadian queen in her review of of summer songs. Cause there's a song by Shania Twain and Anna Maria called Unhealthy. And we will maybe also play nine seconds. Nine seconds. Well, if it's unhealthy, then I don't give a damn. Cause even if it kills me, I'll always take your And to me, I had that on repeat to the point where I almost got 
sick of it. But also, <laughs> to make this even more of a Canadian classic, I swear the first time I heard it on the radio, they had said Anne Murray. I was about to say, <laughs> I thought you had said Anne Murray. <laughs> yes, I thought they had said Anne Murray and Shania Twain. And I was like, what flock of geese is this? I want this <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And it's like, with a verse it. by Katie Lang. <laughs> like, And it was so incredible because I'm listening to it and I'm like, Anne Murray sounds so young. And then, like, I went to go look for it on Spotify, and they were like, there's no such song that exists between these two Canadian icons. And then I found it. And it's an absolutely incredible song. I think it was the song of the summer um, for me personally, other than G Flips, I'll Be Your Man, which I'm very tied to because of my love of Selling Sunset. Right. And all things to do with them. But anyways... So I highly recommend you go listen to Unhealthy with Shia Twain and uh, Anne Maria. And Anne Maria, and then Free by Florence Welch and the Machines. Yeah. Sounds like they're like kind of similar vein songs. Yeah. While we're just talking about listening, I have to wrap this up with just this amazing thing that me and my best friend Sydney do. Every season, Sydney and I collaborate on a seasonal playlist. So the last one was well, called... This is a callback to the last episode with the mixed CD. Yeah, I just love, like, it's, it's, oh, encapsulating the moment, encapsulating the time with, like, a little, like, snapshot of what you're listening to. So, our last summer playlist was called It's Summertime with a picture of the rapper Riff Raff. It's a reference to a vine of him going, Summertime, and he starts singing Santa Maria by Sublime. And so, this one is called It's Frickin' Bats, which is a callback to the classic vine of the little girl going, It's Frickin' Bats. I love Halloween. <laughs> so it's all our spooky songs. We'll do our Christmas one, or not Christmas, sorry, but like winter one. In a couple months, we had a spring one. Spring is in, blo- in bloom is what we called it. Yeah, I just love doing that. I highly recommend making seasonal playlists with your besties. Well, feel free to share them. I will definitely send it your way. Okay. All righty. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Here's a Solution, presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions. This podcast is hosted by Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Editing and sound engineering by Nick Donati. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you love to listen. And if you would like, you can follow us on Facebook at Emily Shandruck Solutions, on Instagram at Solution Boss. And if you have a question or a situation you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a DM or email us at podcast at emilyshandrucksolutions.com. Shandruck is S-H-A-N-D-R-U-K. For more information, visit emilyshandrucksolutions.com.